is uh, Jackie, aka Jackson. Welcome back to Fake Gamer Bro, the podcast where we talk about games I love and hate and love to hate. And today uh, is is a very special episode. I am here with uh, Stan uh, Minasov. I realized I forgot to ask how you pronounce your name before I said <laughs> it, so I hope it wasn't terrible. That's totally fine. No worries. It, it, it was perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you are from uh, At Magic. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So what's up, everyone? Uh, Stan is here. And I'm VP of product of AppMagic. It's an analytical tool for analyzing mobile markets. So when you're developing a new game or trying to operate an already existing one, you can use us basically for understanding what is going on. What are the trends? What are your main competitors? What is the revenue, downloads, and other metrics in the main genres or niches you are interested in? So basically, we are a pretty handy service for any tasks and goals connected to developing a successful mobile game. Yeah, and uh, we wanted to get you specifically here to talk about um, some some merge games and idle tycoon games. And you know, you say that you're for you know primarily people who uh, are trying to develop games, but I also just like to look at numbers, <laughs> see what's uh, going on, and uh, if there's any games I should look out for. Just because it's like, oh, a lot of people are into that, like uh, uh, Legend of Slime, the idle RPG. Uh, I'm looking mm-hmm. at your site right now, and that's come up in in some numbers. And I actually recently started playing that, so um, it's nice to get some actually, rest too. Actually, truth to be told, there are a lot of folks out there who use our service like a free version, and as um, there is a lot of functionality even in the freemium version, then uh, they just use us for their everyday routine, and it's totally fine. So. We really enjoy that we can just embrace the industry with more data because from our perspective, it's always useful whenever you're curious or you're trying to make some decisions to use as much data as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like mobile games is a hard place to get data on. Um, It's been a while since I tried doing a bunch of research myself, but People didn't even really have a lot of information on, uh, you know, the subgenres like uh, merge games versus uh, other types of games, like just casual games is what it tended to be lumped under. So it's nice to see you guys actually digging in and looking at those more specific genres. It is true. And tell you what, uh, two things. First, we try to go as deep as we can. So, for example, when talking about merge games, lots of developers out there, they stop at this point so yeah yeah we've got casual we've got puzzle then we go deep to merge games and that is the uh, level of depth that we want to go but for us it's not enough so for example there is simple merge and merge three then there is merge two merge two with meta and for example uh, for the last couple of months we we've been digging really deep into merge two with meta because it seems like this exact niche is going to be one of the hottest topics of this year, especially in casual in casual genre. So it's really useful to you know um, have your hand on the on the pulse. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely good because I I do play merge games and you see merge in the title of a lot of games, but it it can mean entirely different things. Like uh, uh, ever merge versus merge mayor are are you know the 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 merge three versus I think it would I think. Merge Mayor would be the merge two with mana. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And and yeah, and like 
you know, I'm not usually as into the merge three as I am into other things. And uh, yeah, even just lumping it all in as merge games kind of does a disservice. So uh, I, I'm glad to see that you guys are digging deep into that. And uh, there is a second problem. So even when we are talking about categorization made by stores, sometimes it can be overrun by some fishy developers. So when you want your game to be successful, and especially when you want to have a good marketing campaign, you can try to be, you know, some kind of a werewolf game. So in the inside, it can be Match 3 or it can be, I don't know, uh, Idle Tycoon or Idle, Idle RPG. But in your advertising campaign, in your screenshots, you can try to be merch. Maybe because acquiring users there can be cheaper. And when we are talking about store categorization, these kind of games, they will be categorized as merch. Though in the inside, they are totally different. So we have to, you know, look at the screenshots. We have to check and double check. We have a system of um, different levels to understand what is what kind of game is in front of us. And even um, even when trying this approach, when trying being this specific, it is also also hard. We sometimes tend to think that we are like biologists trying to find out new species of animals and to understand. Okay. So this kind of bird, is it a new one or is it just a variation of an already existing one? That's that's really interesting. I'm glad you brought up the uh, the kind of misleading screenshots that people gave. It's kind of a, you know, a, a, a running joke in mobile games is you can never trust any of the ads. Uh, one of the, the recent ones I've talked about was uh, Ebony keeps saying, hey, you know, those other games that that show screenshots for for this type of game, but they're not that. Well, we are that. And it's not. I know I used to play Ebony back in like the early 2000s on browser. I know exactly what kind of game it is. And it's still giving screenshots acting like it's um, it's a puzzle game instead of a uh, I, I don't know the genre for this, but like a, a, a community war game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or oh, another another example can be Gossip Harbor. Uh, it is very popular among merge games, one of the top grossing merge games in the last year. But uh, using the advertising campaign, we, we can totally call it a fake uh, narrative campaign. So there is some kind of narrative that is used in the advertising, and there is no such narrative or storyline in the game itself. The same goes, by the way, with their leader with merge mention. Uh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. They You probably have seen it. Uh, there are all these creatives with the uh, very, very mysterious granny and her grandma goes to jail. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what's up? And she whispers, he's alive. And we are like, whoa, <laughs> what is going on? And yeah. then, yeah, yeah, you end up in the game. And there are some hooks there as well. So she drops a phrase and you, yeah, this is going to be it. We will know for sure what is going on. And then she runs away. And as far as I know, there is no ending, there is no clue, there is no solution to this riddle so there is no level of narrative that includes the answers to this mystery whatsoever so it's not just fake advertising because usually when we when we are talking about fake advertising we are talking about fake gameplay but it is even deeper it's fake narrative yeah no that's that's so true uh we actually talked about it on a previous podcast how they got kathy bates Kathy Bates yeah. in yeah. A, a Merge Mansion advertisement trying to say that there's like plot in it. And uh, I just I just wish these games would stand on their own because Merge Mansion is fun if you just want a merge game. It doesn't have to have all the mystery with it. 
But uh, exactly. it's it's such a thing. Like so many are like, uh, oh my gosh, the amount of ads I see for uh, girl is pregnant and watches boyfriend cheat on her and has to live oh, alone yeah. now. Yeah, it's like um, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> that's the one I was talking about, actually. So oh, that's yeah. the the strategy Gossip Harbor used. It oh, first yeah, appeared yeah. in match three casual games, and then it like uh, like a waterfall dripped to March two. And I think that's one of the reasons, at least that's what we are thinking right now, one of the reasons of its success in the last year. But taking a step back, I think we really should discuss why we're trying to discuss today merge games and idol tycoons, because these are two quite specific genres. And it can it can be not very obvious why we decided to talk about them. Absolutely. Yeah, I got distracted on the, the whole fake advertisement thing. It's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can totally understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can begin with the merge. So actually it is as I've just said, one of the most interesting genres that well, if anyone is listening to us right now and you want to develop a new game or you're looking for new possibilities, then this is the niche you should totally try to look into because despite the global recession and the fact that for the first time in like mobile history the market has dropped due to the fall of user spending. So last year was the first drop in the history, a big thing. Merge games have grown last year. And not, ju- not just that, they have grown twice. So the whole market of merge games has grown from 7 to $40 million. And it's a, it's a big thing, especially when we are talking about the global recession. And it's especially interesting to look at merge two games uh, for reasons I will tell a bit later. But in general, I think you should really take a careful look at this direction if you want to develop a new game. So this is what what is going on with the merge. And I really think that maybe in a five-year spam, there is a big possibility that merge will be the new match three. So this genre will be huge. There will be status quo. There will be giant companies fighting for the traffic. But right now, it is still young. It is developing. And there is a lot of space. And with the idle tycoons, it's a little bit different, so it's a mixed bag, and it has actually dropped a little bit last year. But the interesting part is that it has one of the biggest numbers of successful titles released last year that made it to the top 100 grossing casual games. So here is the thing. Older titles, say Idle Miner or Idle Lumber Empire, so the big titles that had their, their fame and their part of grossing, they were going down last year, but freshly released titles, of course, not all of them, but quite a lot, like, like I don't know, uh, Idle Office Taken, for example, good, good example. They were going the opposite direction. So once again, it seems like right now this market is very positive towards the newcomers. So if you know what, what you're doing, if you've got a good team of experts, then you have a real chance to be profitable there. Yeah, and I know that Idle Take You games have been... I feel like they've been kind of a classic for a long time, like starting out with browser games like uh, Adventure Capitalist that moved to mm-hmm. primarily be mobile games. And Egg Inc., I hear people recommend, uh, you know, people who aren't even into mobile games, if uh, they're recommending mobile games to other people, will throw Egg Inc. out as as one of the big ones. And I, I'm definitely seeing a lot of growth in there. I'm I'm personally more interested in merge. I mean, I'm interested in both. I like number go up, and I like merge <laughs> merge games. But uh, so you think merge games is going to you know maybe uh, merge mansion is gonna out- outdo Candy Crush? 
Oh, that's a good one. Well, I'm not really sure uh, why so. Because right now, Merge Mansion, well, once again, Merge Mansion is a classical Merge 2 game with meta, and it's the biggest in its genre. So as for now, it generates more than, I guess, more than 60% of the whole market's grossing. So it's huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What is even more interesting is that Supercell, well, guys, everybody knows, they've made a huge investment in Merge Mansion. So like, in general, it was almost $200 million. So they are really interested in the results of this company. But at the same time, right now, the main source of new users for Merge Mansion is traffic. So they buy traffic, they use all these uh, fake narrative ads. And it's not the strategy that, for example, Supercell usually uses itself. I've read an article by one of their founders that was published recently. And he was saying that still, even for Clash of Clans and Heyday, the oldest games uh, of Supercell, like I think they're celebrating 10 years anniversary this year. This is just an enormous number for a mobile game. Like mm-hmm. we, we can compare, for example, take Hyper Casual that are like Calibris. They live for a couple of months and then they die. And they can't live without traffic. And then we have Clash of Clans who were there for 10 years straight or Candy Crush. And they're still going strong. So if you look at the numbers, they're still growing. And the most important thing is that, for example, for Clash of Clans, 90% of the traffic is still organic. They, they don't rely on the user acquisition. They're trying to make an interesting gameplay. They try to make a great balance, progression, to work with the community. And the result is that they've got a very good organic traffic. Going back to Merge Mansion, I'm not sure that the situation is quite the same. So right now, I think the majority of their traffic is coming from the advertising. And the moment they stop advertising their game, or the moment they would lose this magic of creatives, so like speaking in the language of numbers, the moment the acquisition cost will be higher, then there will be some problems. So I'm not sure they will be able to grow as big as Candy Crush, but they definitely will continue to grow in the upcoming future, at least a couple of years, I suppose. What do you think a merge game would have to do to beat uh, Candy Crush? Obviously, the advertisement isn't going to keep it around, um, but it's. I, I think it's kind of hard to get too deep into merge games because... They, especially because of Merge Mansion and similar games, they're known so much for giant microtransactions that you just have to rely on them to get past the first couple of hours of gameplay. Um, do you see a way for them to to get big but still monetize without relying on those microtransactions? I think this can happen, uh, but there is a big but. Uh, this can happen if these companies will think long-term. And when thinking long-term, we're talking not about core gameplay. We are not even talking about meta, because core and meta, they can help you to acquire players, to help them stick with the game for maybe a month, for a couple of months, for half a year. But then when you, when you want to run in the long-term for several years straight, you need two things. First, you need a very good monetization team, because each time you release new content, each time you release new updates, each time you release new features, 
there is something new coming to the monetization cycle. And the monetization loops will grow bigger and bigger. So at some point, the possibility that we will break the balance will get higher and higher. So you have to be really precise about it. That's the first part. And the second part, even more important, you need a very diverse, a very good live ops. And that's actually one of the things that is missing right now in merge games. And I deeply believe that it will come there. It already starts to, once again, like like a waterfall to drip from match three, where there are live ops of any kind. So you take, um, you take, I don't know, Candy Crush, yeah, or you take uh, this new game that came just last year, Royal Clash, and there are tons and tons of events that are going on at the same time. Some of them introduce new gameplay mechanics. For example, there are match three games out there that try to introduce merge two mechanics in their events, or idle RPGs mechanics. So they experiment with this format. And it is very useful because it is the best way to grab attention of your long-term players. You want to be balanced between the newcomers and someone who was in your product for a lot of time. And this is one of the ways to connect to the oldies. So I think right now in the merge world, especially when we're talking about Merge 2 games, uh, Merge Mansion has got one of the most diverse system of live ops, but it is nothing compared to the best Match 3 games, compared to Homescapes, Gardenscapes, or Candy Crush. If the developers will know what to do, will experiment with it, and will take this direction, then there is a chance they will prosper. And we already see it. So and there is a game uh, called Love and Pies, and uh, it is based on the narrative, like telenovela style as well. It has a very, very beautiful design. And Gossip Harbor is like a total copy of Love and Pies. So the game we've just uh, discussed, Gossip Harbor, that is using these, all this fake advertising mechanism with uh, the girl freezing outside or the king trying to get away from the lava. This game uses the same techniques and it works. And the game itself, like the core gameplay, the meta, is absolutely similar to Love and Pies. So what they did, they had a pretty big experience working with Merc games, so they could decompose and deconstruct Love and Pies, which was one of the top crossing games. Make the same game and then spice it up with the needed advertisement and some live ops. And they, uh, we can already see that they've got a bigger RPD. So the, R- the, gr- the speed of growth, their RPD, RPD is revenue per download. So it's a mm-hmm. quite uh, useful metric when we're trying to understand what is going on with the players and their monetization. And so even though the game itself was released a year later, I mean, compared to Love and Bites, the RPD growth is much, much faster. I think like in upcoming months, they will be the same. And I'm pretty sure Gossip Harbor will be even bigger. So going back to your question, sorry, I just uh, got distracted a little bit. Uh, (laughs) My answer will be, it can be made, but the developers really need to pay attention to monetization and to a wide system of live ops. But why I deeply believe that merge games could be a great niche for developers out there right now 
is because there is no status quo on the market, as we've already discussed. It is growing. There is there is pretty a, a lot of space for innovation, basically. And at the same time, uh, if your team has a big expertise uh, in the overcrowded casual genres like Match 3, then you can switch to Merge or Merge 3 or Merge 2, and you will have a higher success possibility. And the same goes with the games that are in the top grossing right now. So we, we've deconstructed like 10 of them pretty deeply. We looked back in the history and the majority of them, when they were in soft launch, they had a match three core. So in the beginning, they, they were planning to make it to the match three niche. But then when having the soft launch, when seeing the metrics, they've changed it to merge, to merge three or merge two. And the meta, the narrative, the live ops, it stayed the same. And they got much bigger success in merge niche. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. It's it's always funny seeing how it's like they had a completely different gameplay and then they, they looked at the market and, and changed because of that. Um, I did want to touch a bit on the live ops for a second, just mostly mm-hmm. to shout out a game I like. There's a game, uh, have you heard of Merge Mayor? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is, yeah, yeah. That I, I love the events for that one, like uh because I feel like it 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 does interesting things with the merge format. Like the Halloween one I really like, where you raise zombies from the dead and they go around and drop the things that you merge, and then you it it, it just it adds to that. And I think a lot more merge games could use that of adding to the format rather than just having kind of different themed merges, you know? Yeah, yeah. So usually in the merge world. Most of the live ops are just uh, visual risking of an already existing gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. So, and that's one of the things I've just meant. So, working with the gameplay mechanics themselves, trying to make a more interesting game, will be the best way for the developers to be successful. And yeah, yeah, you are you are absolutely right. So, Merge Mayor is one of the examples of making the live ops right. It's not there yet, so it's still smaller than mm-hmm. other big casual genres but at least it's different yes um i'm also i I wonder if you have a thought about this i use uh are you familiar with mist play mist play not sure so it's it's one of those things where you you download it and then you download games like from the app um and it it pays you for the time you spend and it's this one's more legit where it's like it pays very very little for over a long period of time so like i've gotten like 20 bucks out of it after having it for like about two years Mm -hmm. well that's at a profit yeah i mean i play the games all the time so (laughs) (laughs) but uh and seeing new games being added to it like merge mayor recently got added to it and i'm wondering if games being added to those get paid to play types of services might help boost them have you have you seen anything about that that's a good question i i'm i'm not sure i think no and based on the dynamics on the market and based on the list data that we have right now i'm not sure it will be the way so some of the games might use this for their opportunities and for growing their play base for example maybe for some of the games, it's a good balance between gamers spending time on their product products and maybe watching ads, and then 
they receive more money than they give away to this kind of services. And well, it's a uh, square place, understandable. But in general, you can't acquire a big user base, usually, usually, using this kind of tools. So it can just tune you, but it won't. it is not the secret sauce that we will help you to make it to the tops. And most of the developers out there, they're trying to, well, if not be the best, but at least be in the top crossing, top five, top ten. That's that's the the reason for developing games for some of them. Of course, we're not talking about passion right now. We're not talking about trying to make an interesting gameplay because, of course, it is a thing. But at, at the same time, it's, it is business after all. We're trying to run companies. We're trying to uh, work with the people. And we're trying to be profitable. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that definitely has to be a focus. You know, people need to make money to live. <laughs> so, um, and it's, there, there's nothing wrong with wanting to get in the, uh, the top 10. You can be passionate about it and still want to get into the top 10. So let's let's talk about Idle Tycoon games, uh, especially because there are, you know, you're talking about the live ops and you have, my example is Idle in Empire, whose mm-hmm. events also include uh, merge games as as part of the events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is true. Um, so there's definitely been a crossover there. It is, it is. And it goes the other way as well. So we can see right now so uh, that in the merge genre, especially in newcomers, they're trying to make it to the top. They try to experiment with a core gameplay formula. And one of the experiments that can be done is making a hybrid. So you try to make to take two different core gameplays and merge them into one. And for the merge niche, a pretty popular trend right now is trying to make a combination of a merge and idle tycoon. So there are plenty of games out there trying it. Back to the idle tycoons, I think this genre may, might be even more interesting. And the main reason for that is that it requires a very small team. So, of course, you have to know what you are doing. Like, ideally, you need a team of professionals or experts that already at least have some experience in casual games or, even better, have experience in idle tycoons. But at the same time, if you want to develop this kind of game, it requires really a small team, like three to five people, maybe 10 max. We're not talking about scale, and, of course, we're not talking about buying traffic, but it can be easily tested. And then uh, it can be a good publishing case. So we've got a a small core team that can develop the game itself, while the publisher can work with the user acquisition, with the localization, monetization, and all these parts that are are not directly connected to the core gameplay, but are still important. For example, that's the case. We we talked a lot with one of the guys in the tops, Golden Goblins, at Quantum, the guys behind the game, and they are like absolutely brilliant. They are. They were and still are publishing this game. And as far as I know, the developers team. It is a small team with experience that is situated somewhere somewhere in America, and they've made the game itself. And they then reached out to App Quantum, which published the game, bought the traffic, and so on. And it was a huge success. So, like uh, guys, knowing what they're doing with the core gameplay and focusing on it, and someone that are professionals with their user acquisition and monetization. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. How do you, because you, you said that you think merge games are going to overcome the match three. Where mm-hmm. does Idle Tycoon games kind of rank along that? That's a good one. I don't believe that Idle Tycoons will grow as big as merge games or as much three games just because of their, like, of their nature. So if we're talking about 
classical idle icons, let's call them that, old coolers, we already can see a decline in the market. So we can see that there is a big problem with not, not with acquiring the users, but rather trying to make them stay in the game. Some mm-hmm. of the games, like you've mentioned, like Idle Mafia or Idle Empire, they've got live ops, but it isn't very wide. It, it is pretty simplified, I might say. The reason for that is that the core gameplay itself is sometimes pretty simple. So unless you're trying to change the core gameplay, so once again, make some kind of a hybrid, then it might be difficult. Because uh, when we are talking about live ops, trying to work with an already existing players, you need gameplay mechanics that shouldn't be much more difficult than the core gameplay. Because, well, you've got some targeted, targeted audience that already plays your game. They, they are there for some level of complexity. And you can just take Idle Tycoon game, for example, and add a live ops with, uh, I don't know, with a 4x strategy or a, a tactical shooter or something like that. It just will be too difficult for the folks out there. And as Idle Tycoon is a pretty simple genre compared to others, it is really challenging to make a live ops that will be interesting, that will be on the same level of complexity, and that will, that will bring new additional gameplay mechanics at the same time. So in general, I think that Idle Tycoons will continue to grow. And it's a great niche when you have a small team, but you've got a big expertise in the, in the game, game dev industry. But I don't believe it will be as big as merge games, no. That makes sense, because the whole point of idle games is you play it for a little bit, and then you just let it do its thing in the background. Yeah. So yeah. just people who want Sometimes, idle games. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. I, I've just remembered this game. I think it's called Cats and Soup. When yes. you were talking about in the Yeah, yeah. Like, it is taking the idle tycoon core gameplay to the max. No economy. Just one button to make it yeah. all good. It is very cute, though. I think that's what, what more idle tycoon games need to do. It's just like, oh, I just want to be in here and look at the little cats do their thing for a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, it is very relaxing. It is true. Yeah. But yeah, it does make it hard if because the people who want to do idle tycoon games probably you know don't want the live ops that make them stay there more uh, like longer, like you were saying. They don't want yep. anything more complex because that's the whole draw of the idle tycoon games. <laughs> Another thing to mention is that's a trend we've seen with Idle Tycoon games and we haven't seen with Merge games. And it's another possibility for the developers out there, so watch out. Uh, Idle Tycoons can be a good base for an IP-based game. So, for example, uh, there is a company called Eastside Games and it is creating IP-based games like Archer or It's Always Sunny based on It's Always Sunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the last year, one of their uh, top-grossing and most successful projects was RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. And basically, it is the classical idol tycoon wrapped in the IP. And it works. So, uh, a pretty simple core gameplay combined... And I, I mean, idol tycoon is pretty, pretty universal. You can use it with almost uh, whatever topic you want to. So, it's a great basis for a glazing of ip yeah that makes sense i uh, i do see advertisements for for a lot of those funnily enough i haven't downloaded any of the uh the ip games yet to try those out i guess none of the, the ips have really caught my attention but that that's definitely a way to get more people interested in it is um 
you know, just just get a good IP to. It is funny that RuPaul's Drag Race is the one that uh, that's getting a lot. It's like us gays just gotta <laughs> gotta get RuPaul. I think it's just popular right now, so that yeah, that that's be the reason. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, no, it, uh, I don't think it's definitely cover a lot of stuff. Like you know, you said cats and soup is probably just the most like oh, it's just some cats making some soup. And uh, we've mentioned Egg Inc. Idol Magic School is another one where it's. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of like the ones like uh, like the Idol Magic School, the Idol in Empire, where you're also, it feels like you have some sort of, you don't have a lot of customization control over over what's going on, but it, you're building like, uh, you know, a magic school or an inn. There's one I recently downloaded called Rent, Please, which has you building apartments and adding more features to those. But to satisfy your desire to have some control over the customization rather than just meeting all the goals, like you're going to have to raise the level in all of these apartments, uh, no matter what. They also give you a house that you can decorate and that you mm-hmm. just get upgrades to as you as you go further. I think that might be uh, because of the, like, once again, because of the core gameplay itself. So it really aligns well with the decorating. Mm-hmm. Just as we've seen with match three games, when you can renovate your mansion or renovate your house, in the cases of idle tycoons, there is even more possibilities. Yeah, yeah, I think we sh- we should just definitely get more uh, idle tycoons that that do allow you some amount of control over the decoration. Like even if you do have to reach those certain landmarks, you know, in order to to get the money to raise to the levels to get onto the next thing, is I I, I do want to see more options like maybe you did reach this level but you get to choose the theme mm-hmm. of what it looks like next and i think that would get people more people into it i just like what rent please did where it's like okay we don't have it in the main gameplay but there's the side game over here where you get to decorate a house mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly exactly so uh when thinking about it you can take for example some city building topic and then you ha- your like, possibilities are almost endless. You can come up with any type of building, any type of business, and you can build a small idle tycoon game inside of it. And then you can combine them. So if you are into I don't know cafe or restaurant business, mm-hmm. you totally can have an idle tycoon game there. Maybe you really love hotels or you like hospitals. Why not? So it's like building a whole city based on these idle tycoon games. That's one. One thing actually that I just just came to my mind that we've seen it's another trend that was pretty popular last year that for the games in the top of the casual genre, one of the most important and hottest things in live ops was social features, like trying to be cooperative or trying to be competitive or maybe both at the same time, but they work really well. So users love them, people from the business love them because at the end of the day it brings money so mm-hmm. everybody loves them and with idle tycoons uh, you can bring in some social features based on this approach so we can try to take different kinds of businesses or different kinds of topics just to serve different types of players but give them an opportunity to interact with each other yeah um what what sort of interaction do you think would work best with with idle tycoon games? Because I know for like some games you have like guilds and that's about like protecting mm-hmm. your your areas and stuff like that. But what what kind of social features do you think would work best for idle tycoon? That really depends on the audience. So for example, with um, when the game has a female audience, the majority is female. Then the best social features that can be used 
co collaborative, so having some kind of a guild, helping each other. And then we can totally see that for the male audience, usually it's all about being competitive. So some mm -hmm. kind of a leaderboard, trying to get it to the top, maybe teaming up with some of your friends and then battling with other group of people. So I think it really depends on the topic. Good news is that unlike merge games, where usually the top trending and top crossing games are more female oriented. Of course, we've got, for example, Medieval Merge, which is an, uh, an attempt to make a merge game for a let's say male audience because of the whole fantasy topic fantasy fighting rpg topic and this lego brick art style but the majority of the games uh the narrative is quite the same and they all use that telenovela style but with idle tycoons is a bit different when looking at the top crossing games they are very diverse and there is Idol Mafia, there is Idol Lumber Empire, there is, I don't know, Idol Miner, which can be more of a male type. There is RuPaul's Drag or maybe Cats and Soup. Actually, I think Cats and Soup is very universal. So everybody loves just the most idle tycoonish thing that you can imagine. So mm -hmm. whenever you want to relax, you can try it. So I'd say that it really depends, once again, on your target audience. But what we can see right now from the industry is that the best way is experimenting. So bringing maybe an event or two with cooperative interaction, looking at the numbers, then bringing competitive interactions, then maybe combining them and looking at the numbers once more. So the more experiments you run, the more different types of events you try, the better results you can get. Because, well, you can leave the experiments that were good and make them a part of a usual rotation and the ones that didn't run well then well the best you can get from them is information data understanding what went wrong yeah that that definitely makes sense uh i i do have to know you mentioned the leaderboards and i was reminded idle magic school has leaderboards but mm -hmm. my friend and i played it and compared it and they're not they're not real. They just make up a bunch mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. people to put in there. I don't know if they don't have a wide enough user base or they just wanted to like make leaderboards without the effort, but you always get to the top of it and make you feel. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> that's, that's one of the things that is, that is used right now pretty widely in the industry, especially in casual games, because, well, first, making some kind of competitive regime is better than not having one. So it's a good... Uh, proof of concept. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it's much much easier to make a prototype with some kind of bots or information uh, that seems to be real. But then again, you just compete with uh, fake players. And well, of course, some of the players out there they totally understand what is going on, but not all of them. And that's the magic. Yeah. And thirdly, uh, you can test the hypo hypothesis. So if the people are interested interacting, then you can totally build a whole multiplayer system. But truth to be told, I don't think that for the majority of games, the developers will end up with this step. Because if you already have a fake multiplayer regime that works, and you don't have problems with that, and you don't need a whole team trying to set up how the leaderboard works, how the people interact with each other, being maybe toxic in some cases, you just can make up these numbers and they, they will work. They will affect the player positively. Then why do you need to change it for a real one? 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I kind of suspected, but I didn't really notice or like confirm it until uh, one of my friends also started playing the same game and, and we, uh, we compared stats. But, but yeah, I mean, if it, if it still works, uh, has that, uh, that effect of like, yes, I got to the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And what is even more interesting that, at least from what we've heard, for some of the people that understand that this is a trick, they still get this feeling that yes, I, I'm I'm so good, <laughs> even though they they like rationally they know that it is a trick. They know that uh, they are competing with bots, with numbers, with uh, air. But at the same time, they feel this rush, this this feeling of winning, and they love it. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Human psychology is wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we're getting pretty close to time to, to wrap up. What advice do you have to people who are, who are making games, who want to make a game, want to make a, a a breakout game? Maybe they have a general idea, but not like, should they go for merge games, idle tycoon games, or maybe advice for, for both paths? Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Well, let's begin with an advice for idle tycoon games. If you've got a small team, you've got pretty vast experience in in-game industry in general, especially in casual games, and you know how to be connected with some kind of publishers, then Idle Tycoons might be a good direction. At least you will have a pretty good risk-to-reward ratio there. If you're looking for a more long-term game, if you want to play it big, like in three, five, maybe even ten years, then you can go to merge games, but be careful. So the trends you're seeing right now on the market, they won't be there in a year span or in a couple of years span and that's the time you will need to make a really good merge game because right now you can't just drop into the market with a very raw material and expecting it to be played by the users no it won't work like that so like the level of quality the minimum level of quality is pretty high right now at the same time it's lower than in the match three so i think the best approach is to deconstruct and to look at the top crossing games out there and either try to copy the best solutions, the best working mechanics, and include a great uh, advertising campaign. And I think that's a better approach, or at least I believe in it more because I really love games in general. Try to come up with some kind of a hybrid mechanic and add a good thought about levels. So if you develop a game with good core mechanics with meta but also you already know what kind of live ops what kind of experiments you will run there in a year span and a two-year span then you already have a big chance of success on the market and for both of these uh, niches i think the best advice is experiment try to play the games in the niche try to come up with some fresh ideas that might be useful because we, we, we still see that even though the mobile market is huge, there are ideas and new genres that come up each year. Last year, for example, Survivor, an absolutely new genre that popped out of nowhere and grew drastically. So there is a possibility. Just believe in it. Yeah. Awesome. And go ahead and, and talk about App Magic. Uh, what can people get with the free and what uh, can they get when they, they uh, pay for more access? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, 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 we've got like uh, our guys from the sales team can talk for hours and hours straight about it. Of course, based on the tasks and goals you've got, 
But in general, I'd say that we've got the best free version of the market because there, there are lots of things you can make there already using all, all only the free version. So uh, when using it for free, you can see the top apps, top publishers, and top trending things. And I especially love top trending because there you can, using our categorization system, and we've discussed it in the beginning of the episode, so it's very deep, it's very wide, you can see uh, who are coming up, who are going down for the chosen period. You can see all the fresh releases. And for example, that's a great opportunity when you try to monitor the market and understand, okay, so uh, what are the newcomers, the hidden gems or the underdogs that I should really pay attention to? It's a great tool to be aware of these kind of things going. There is also app comparison. I really love it as well. Uh, that you can use and compare different apps with their main metrics. So revenue, downloads, retention coming in a couple of months, really looking for it. And when talking about premium version, well, there are lots of things you can try. Personally, there are, I'd say, several things that I love. The first one is ad intelligence. So it's a tool that really helps you to look into different type of advertising campaigns of ad creatives run by an exact app or a publisher or in a niche or genre in general. So you can understand, okay, so what this exact app my competitor is running right now or what are, are the most popular ad creatives that are run in this exact market right now. The second tool that I really love is Advanced Search. That might be a strange name, but it is one of the most versatile tools out there. So using it, you can make any kind of um, settings and based on that make any kind of research so trying to look up for all the new releases that came out last year in your niche that made it made more than i don't know more than twenty thousand dollars and that had an exact keywords in their name or their description so this way you can be very specific and you can find real hidden gems that are not obvious on the market and on top of that i think the third instrument that I really love is called similarity graph and sometimes it works like like magic basically so mm -hmm. what it what it does it shows you non-obvious competitors so not the guys out there that are in your niche or you will be competing with directly but rather the games and the apps with the same target audience and it is really useful especially when you're trying to improve an already existing game you can see all these other games that are pretty close to you, but they can be in another niche or another genre. So what you can try to do, you can try to see different implementations of the same features in these niches. And if these implementations work for the same target audience in these niches, they might work in your game as well. So it's a great source of inspiration, I might say, when you're trying to understand, okay, so what kind of experiments should I run? What type of features should I introduce? How I should introduce them? Sometimes it's a very good source of answers. That's fantastic. I love data and information. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to be exploring your, uh, your site for a while, even if it's just to, uh, to find more games for me to play. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, so that's uh, at uh, appmagic.rocks. Uh, is there uh, anything else you want to add before we end? I can just shout out to all the developers and experts out there listening to us and say that last year was pretty rough 
and we all know it with all the all the layoffs and all the market decline but we are still making games because we deeply believe in them at least i hope that it is the reason <laughs> it is business but don't forget that it is passion as well and if you love it continue doing it Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on. This was a, a wonderful conversation and I, I feel like I could pick your brain about stuff for, for ages. I'm I'm definitely going to look at the uh, website some more and I encourage everyone else to too. Even if you're not a creator, it's still nice to just see what's going on out there. It's neat. It's neat information. I mean, you're a nerd. You're listening to this. You're a nerd. Go look at it. And with that, uh, we will uh, see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you to Dami for editing the show and for our theme song, which you can find at Domino Thief on SoundCloud and in the show's notes. Also, thank you to our fakest fan tier member, Danny the Spoon Lord, for your support. If you'd like to get a shout out or just support the podcast, head on over to ko-fi.com slash jacksyaks, link also found in the show notes, and sign up for as little as $1 a month. For all other links, head over to jacksyax.com where you can always find the latest information. Thanks for listening!